Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to the Rapture's Rapture podcast. Uh, It's our second annual podcast. I am joined here by Brian Boak, co-expert of Rapture's Rapture and Rapture's Rapture contributor, Rajon Johnson. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. Pretty good. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, Raptors over the past week since we last talked, Brian, have went two and two, a win against the Los Angeles Lakers, um, a loss against the top Minnesota Timberwolves, a heartbreaking loss against the Washington Wizards, and a win versus the Trailblazers last night. Um, I'll start with you, Brian. Anything that jumped out to you, particularly over the week as a whole? Uh, I would say the biggest problem that I'm having with the team at the moment is the fact that the, we are not winning the games that, that we should be winning in terms of close ones. Um, if you take a look at the expanded standings, you'll see that the, the Raptors in three-point games are two and five, and that's more than a little worrisome. And, uh, you know, the Washington game is a perfect example of that. And here's a game that was, in fact, by a possible miracle, could should, could have and should have gone in overtime, even though we flubbed away the lead. And uh, in, and I feel confident we would have had, a, obviously, an excellent opportunity in overtime to, to finish this thing off and couldn't do so. There's another one that goes into the minus column. So um, that game, to me, is, is symptomatic of a, of a bigger problem. I and mean, this team needs to learn how to close better. What about you, Rajon? Anything that stuck out in particular over the past two weeks or two games? Sorry. Um, well, basically, to uh, kind of uh, connect what, with what Brian was saying, uh, just like in the Wizards game when guys like Lowry are missing clutch free throws and – you know, when guys aren't stepping up on Bradley Beal, it doesn't matter if guys like John Waller out. You still have to take every team serious because those are games we have to win. And, you know, if the Raptors want to be taken serious as contenders, they need to step up and treat every game like, you know, you have to win it. And they played sloppy. The bench played sloppy. But overall, I would say uh, the past couple of games, the bench, the second unit has actually been pretty solid. And I've liked the way they played against the Timberwolves. I like the way they played against uh, Portland. I have to give Red Van Vliet some credit. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if, I could, 
sorry, I'm just going to jump in here and, and mention that I had written down here as a point that, uh, something that Rajon mentioned, which is the John Wall or the absence of John Wall. Washington is actually playing better without him. So, and I know that there's been a lot of rumblings about how, how they're not really that happy with him organizationally speaking, that he's been a bit of a disruptive influence. And I have to, to sort out there to speculate as to whether he is, in fact, trade bait. Uh, yeah, I mean, he just signed that Supermax in the offseason, so it will be interesting to see um, kind of the market out there for him because he will be paid, I believe he'll be paid one of the top five players in the league coming up here. So it will be interesting to see if they do decide that they want to kind of move towards Bradley Beal. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the Washington game more in depth, guys. Kyle Lowry brought the Raptors back during that fourth quarter, and he also – lost the game for them, not only with the miss on the front end at, with the final seconds, but he also missed the critical and one free throw uh, earlier in the fourth quarter. And then I think perhaps maybe the most upsetting part was his decision to make the free throw after he missed the first. Um, guys, do you think that was a mistake by him in order to make that second free throw? Uh, yeah, I obviously thought it was a mistake by Lowry. Uh, I'm not sure why he made the second one and missed the first one. I mean, usually if you miss the first one and you're down by two, you know, you have to miss the second one, hope to get the rebound. But uh, I, I don't know if Lowry thought he could get the shot off and then quickly foul and shoot a three, but it just didn't make sense at the time. So I'm not sure what was going through his head, but it's just common sense just to miss the second free throw and try to get the rebound. But who knows what, was, what the play was or what was, you know, uh, Lowry was intending to do. You know, it, it's two bad choices, isn't it? You know, if, he, if he makes the shot, then, yes, you, you're, you're hoping you're, they're going to inbound the ball, make another mistake like they did on the first inbound, which they've given them the opportunity to try the game, or, and that's unlikely, or foul, they'll miss, they'll miss their free throws, and you can somehow make a miraculous tying basket with no timeouts. It seems highly unlikely. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he's better off uh, uh, making missing the free throw and, and hoping that JV or Serge can come up with it and get a shot back up before the buzzer. Right. If, and if they had a timeout, that's one thing. It's understandable. You probably do want to make that second free throw, and then you have a shot later in the game. But with no timeouts remaining, particularly it made it tough after he did get fouled and put in such a position by Bradley Beal. Kind of amazing watching the game. It was a bad loss. There's no way around it, you know, to have have a lead against those guys. And then, and then, uh, Rajon mentioned that the second year did not play well, and they certainly didn't, uh, and which is disappointing. But Fred Van Vliet comes back from his wife giving birth, and uh, he played brilliantly against Portland. So he's making himself more and more indispensable. Yeah, and to kind of talk about the point you discussed with John Wall, um, I wrote earlier a trade piece, or a piece regarding the injuries in the East and what could happen to each team. Um, I even discussed about a possible doomsday scenario where the Wizards, the four games up right now, the Detroit Pistons at the ninth spot, if they really struggled without Wall, there was an opportunity where they really could realistically miss a playoffs. But like you said, since since John Walls went out, they've only played better. So that's an interesting point. This is a league that's full of infinite surprises. You just don't know. All right, so uh, moving on, let's talk about the uh, Raptors play versus the Trailblazers last night and kind of just how good they looked and what were your overall impressions of the game. Uh, Rajon, you can start off. 
Uh, like I've said before, I got to give credit to Fred, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, just had a daughter, and he's just been killing it lately. Uh, he's really been uh, big off the bench. Uh, when Lowry and DeRozan are off the floor, you need a, a guy who can go out there and lead and, you know, uh, somebody who can just shoot and spread the ball, keep the ball moving, and Van Vliet's been that guy, so I got to give him credit. Um, when the Raptors got rid of Corey Joseph, I was one of those guys I thought, you know, we were losing some depth off the bench. But, you know, Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright have really stepped up this year. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty uh, impressed with the way they've been playing. Uh, DeRozan had a really great, great game. So when DeRozan gets his threes going, I mean, the Raptors are always like play like a better team. So I'm not surprised that the Raptors dominated the way they did. Uh, Lillard played great, but. Uh, Portland's almost had the struggles that the Raptors have had before they were kind of more team oriented and uh, focused on ball movement, more of like focusing on just McCollum and Lillard to carry the offense. But uh, I'm glad the Raptors have moved away from that now. And uh, it's more of like team ball movement and uh, it's been working for them. So I'm, I'm very impressed with the way they played that game. And uh, hopefully we can keep that going. Brian, what were your takeaways from the game? Well, I go back to uh, when we were, I was watching the Washington game and, and the announcers kept saying, oh, well, Portland's waiting back in Toronto and it's going to be difficult for our guys to beat Portland uh, on the second out of a back-to-back when they're the better rest of the team. And I was thinking, you know, historically speaking, uh, teams that are waiting for the Raptors to return to Toronto play badly. And there's a very good reason for that. Um, even in the, uh, the days of the uh, early days of DeMar DeRozan and so on, when the team was really poor, they, uh, there were a lot of Sunday afternoon games, like tomorrow's game against Memphis was scheduled, and the Raptors won a lot of those. And, and that's the same reason, which is that Toronto is known as a party town. And the players are often seen out visiting places that perhaps they couldn't or wouldn't go uh, if they were in, in almost any other city in the NBA. And uh, they were the Raptors would win a lot of those games. And the sports writers wrote about this years ago. That this was this built-in advantage that... Uh, the opposing players would, would get back to their hotels at, as the sun was coming up and be expected to play at, six, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Voila, the Raptors win. So I was actually not at all upset for the fact that, that Portland was uh, waiting in Toronto because maybe they're not waiting. Maybe they're out having some fun. So there you go. Just a different spin on things. Yes, yeah, so you're saying something similar to the South Beach flu. That <laughs> exactly. The South Beach flu. Okay. Um, one guy who had a great game versus... Portland and has been playing great recently is Jonas Valanciunas. Um, really been remarkable uh, turnaround as of late. After Brian's written countless trade pieces getting Jonas out of town, he's decided <laughs> to step up his game. Um, Rayzon, what do you think about Jonas's play as of late and uh, kind of what that means for the Raptors moving forward? I think Valanciunas has really stepped up lately. Uh, I never used to be big on him either. I always thought that with the emergence of Siakam, that kind of made Valanciunas a bit expendable. Um, but lately, he's been pretty solid on offense, I would say. Um, defensively, I think there's still some uh, room to improve. Uh, I think Nurkic had 20 points. Uh, so he's, there's still some room for him to improve on that. But, you know, if Valanciunas could stay consistent on offense, hit the occasional three, uh, really help the Raptors stretch the floor out. I think uh, him being on the team doesn't hurt at all. I think that actually makes them better. And 
I think that he should stay. I don't see any reason to trade him right now. I mean, if he's doing the things he's doing right now, uh, I don't think his trade value you can get much better from Valanciunas beside maybe a pick or something like that. But, I mean, uh, Valanciunas has just been solid. So I say you keep him. Uh, you see how he develops. If he gets better next season, uh, if he gets worse, there's not really any risk going to playoff with the guy. If you have Valanciunas playing the way he's playing, I mean, that's great. That's perfect for the Raptors. So hopefully he can keep going into the playoffs and not just, you know, disappear like he has been in other games. Brian, any points you want to touch on? Well, I I agree with what Rajon said. I would just supplement that by saying what I think has improved is the idea of, of uh, him being in the corner on occasion has worked very well. Not only can, has he proven he can hit the corner three on if he's given enough space, but also he his handle has improved, and he's able to take the ball from the corner or elsewhere from the top of the key and uh, and do some damage on off the bounce and that's incredibly valuable so just instead of this being a you know a rebound monster uh he he can offer a great deal more than that which is just one more arrow in the quiver and and the, the more balanced your offense the more weapons you have obviously the better you're going to be as a team so he's he's been he's been terrific he's been under a lot of pressure and he's responded well to the pressure and i think that's impressive yeah i agree with you um to point uh to kind of go off what Rajon was saying, defensively, he still is a problem. He He's more of a matchup big. There are times where I think he can get run off the court if we're facing a team that's a little bit faster, more athletic. But that's something you deal with. Um, offensively, he provides you something um, as far as being both a big bruiser inside as well as someone who can stretch the floor now. Um, he's shooting, I believe, above 50% on three so far for the season, which is remarkable. And... Uh, he's similar to Serge in the fact that he can spread out the shooting, but one thing he does a little bit better than Serge is he's a little bit better of a passer uh, coming out of the pick and roll. So I think he gives you a little more versatility in that regard. Yeah, and and of course he hits his free throws, and that's incredibly important for a big man. Um, going off of Valanciunas and kind of talking about uh, possibly other centers in the lineup, as, the, as we go to the playoffs, uh, the NBA is designed that once you enter the playoffs, your rotation shortens. Um, guys, who do you think out of the Raptors bench mob is going to be left out of the rotation? Or do you think that Casey sticks with the 10 man rotation uh, going into the bench or going into the postseason? Uh, Brian, if you want to go ahead and start us off. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's a tough one. Um, it's very hard for me to, to argue that we should make any changes to, to what's working. You know, we're, we're getting tremendous results from a 10 and sometimes 11 man rotation. And nobody's been letting us down. I mean, I, I confess I've been a little disappointed in CJ miles this season and it's going to be somebody I'll circle back to later, but uh, otherwise getting our guys sufficient rest has worked extremely well. You know, the playoffs are, are a very tough grind game day off game day off you know there's not a lot of rest so it's really important that if you if we can pull out a six-point victory in the playoffs with with 10 guys playing i'd rather see that than than a super short rotation because it will catch up to you particularly as you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs assuming we get past say the first two rounds all of a sudden our if our guys are, are better rested than, than say boston or cleveland milking their top seven players 
I, I really like our chances in those kinds of a series, if, particularly if we go six or seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. Rajon, what about you? Do you think that anybody gets left out of the uh, rotation kind of as we advance and move into the playoffs? Uh, basically, you know, I 100% agree with Brian. Uh, I mean, if it works, you don't need to fix it. So going into, like, the playoffs or anything like that, uh, I think they might take out a guy like Lorenzo Brown or uh, Lucas Noguera a little bit. But I still see, you know, if guys are exhausted, you know, you got to have guys that are ready to come off the bench and bring that energy. So if that's Noguera going to come off and just – give two minutes for a rebound or something like that, that's fine. But as long as it's working, as long as it's giving the guys a chance to catch their breath and, you know, everybody's working together and all that, then I see no issue with having a 10-man rotation. So if it works, it works. Uh, if there's any indication that needs to be changed, then we'll work on that. But for now, it seems to be working. So let's just keep it going. Right. Uh, I agree with you guys for the large – for. The the most part. Uh, CJ Miles, like you said, has been a disappointment. I don't think there's any way Casey pulls a veteran like that out in the playoffs. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and it obviously depends on how others play down the stretch or if there's any injuries. Um, but speaking of one of those guys who could possibly be in the rotation heavily or maybe is just a plug-and-play player once the playoffs come is Norman Powell. Um, as of late, he looks like he would be in the rotation, the way he's played the past couple games. Uh, Rajon, do you have anything you want to point out about Norman Powell and kind of what he's done as of late? Uh, I like Norman Powell. He brings a lot of energy. Um, when I was watching uh, the Timberwolves game, uh, there was crucial moments where the lead was swinging back and forth, and Norman Powell was really the guy off the bench to step up and bring that energy and hit some clutch threes. So uh, I like Norman Powell just because he has that hustle and – you know, he's really pushing on defense and offense, and he's really trying to do his best. And uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, uh, you get a steal, and he's pushing down the court for that fast break dunk to get the fans roaring and everything. So I like him. Uh, I appreciate his game, and uh, hopefully he can keep up his uh, good uh, level of play. Yeah, I think it's been telling that once C.J. Miles out and he knows he's going to get consistent minutes, his production has improved. I think a lot of times we don't take that into account. Players that aren't sure if they're going to play a lot of times kind of force the issue and feel that they need to do everything in the few, maybe eight, ten minutes that they're on the court. Now that he's been guaranteed consistent minutes, he's kind of relaxed and settled down into his role a little bit better. Um, Brian, what do you think about that? Well, both Norm and Dillon Wright sometimes have the same problem, which is that they – are dribbling very quickly, attacking the basket. Uh, they find the de a defender or two in front of them. They leave their feet, and then they think, gee, I guess I better do something with the ball. Well, it's kind of late at that point to make that decision. And so that's when, when Norm and DeLon get themselves out of control and get themselves in trouble. Uh, if, if Norm can allow himself to, to stay under control, to stay on his feet, not necessarily feel like he's got to make every shot or that he's got to make some phenomenal slicing through two defenders to, to jam home the ball, uh, but in fact can do a drive and kick or, and more you know, ordinary but necessary plays. I think that will help him a lot, and it will help DeLon, too, because he's been struggling a bit over the last uh, couple of games and, and, it's, and with struggling with turnovers as well as not scoring all that much. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the past couple of games, something that stuck out to me 
was the shooting of, or I'm sorry, the passing of Norman Powell. I just think now that he's been guaranteed those minutes, he's been more relaxed, um, kind of playing with a more calmness than he has in games past. And it will be interesting once CJ comes back to see if he still plays that same way or if he feels he needs to press the issue more. One thing I wanted to move on to was we talked about a little bit with John Wall, but also with the injury of Kevin Love breaking his hand. Um, looks like he'll be out eight weeks and will return way before the playoffs start. Um, guys, how do you think both John Wall and kind of Kevin Love's injuries impact the Toronto Raptors, uh, Brian? Well, it has to be viewed as a positive. I mean, I don't, nobody likes to make hay over someone else's misfortune, but this is the reality of the NBA. Injuries are, are ripe. And uh, this gets back to something we talked about earlier, which is making sure that everybody's getting enough minutes and, not, and no more than enough minutes so that we can avoid stress-related injuries like hamstring pulls and groin strains, which can be just horrible injuries, chronic. So uh, this is a, it's a nice problem for the Raptors to have in the sense that they're going into the trade deadline with teams that are weakened severely, rival teams. And now Messiah Jury has to make up his mind to say, well, you know, if I'm, if I'm ever going to go all in for a championship run, or at least a serious run in the Eastern Conference, we'll worry about the finals later. Um, this may be the year, but if I do, do I want? Do I really want to move somebody? Can I genuinely say that I can improve my team by making a trade? But the, the East, what I'm getting to is that the East is open. And it's not like we're going to have a better opportunity than this one. Uh, Rajon, what do you think about that? Well, obviously injuries are never a good thing, and uh, I'd never wish an injury on a player. And hopefully uh, those players can come back soon and be healthy. But if I'm the Toronto Raptors, this is music to my ears because <laughs> this is basically two dysfunctional teams right now. They got both their star players that really can't find the chemistry with their teammates. The Cavs are looking like a mess right now. They're not sure what's going on. If Isaiah Thomas is so inconsistent, Kevin Love and people are calling each other out and the Wizards now, John Wall subtweeting and deleting his tweets, which is why I'm so proud of the Raptors for having such great chemistry. You don't really see any Raptors out there subtweeting each other or, you know, having any issues. We're, we're really just a family, and a lot of teams can't say that. A lot of teams really envy the chemistry between Lowry and DeRozan because they're literally like brothers. So I'm really proud of the Raptors for you know, just sticking together. And for teams like that, when John Wall comes back, or when Kevin Loves comes back, it's better for the Raptors because, you know, that their chemistry isn't there. And if the team chemistry isn't there, you know, guys aren't helping each other up. Guys aren't, you know, helping each other get back on defense, covering each other's mans. It, you'll definitely slip. The Raptors will definitely take advantage of that. But uh, I don't want to say anything too soon because LeBron does have a thing of, you know, killing the Raptors in the playoffs. So hopefully this is their year and this is the moment that they take advantage of dysfunctional teams. John Wall, I don't know if he can fix things with his Wizards team. He did subtweet Gortat for saying that it was a great team win, quotation marks. And I think John Wall got upset about that. So hopefully that that dysfunction is a, a good sign of what's to come in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point on the Raptors. You never have to worry about those chemistry issues that you worry about with other teams. And you talked about it a little bit. I think that it a lot of that is due to Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Um, in the NBA, your players kind of take after the lead of 
who you have um, as your best player. And Damar and Kyle have gotten along so great, and they've really set a winning tempo. Um, as opposed to Washington, you don't have Bradley Beal and John Wall have notoriously feuded with each other over the years. And LeBron is as great a player he is, and he demands a lot of people there. Since he's been back in Cleveland, it's always been a little bit of a disarray mess there. Um, and it, it really speaks to the Raptors, and particularly uh, DeRozan and Lowry, how they've set a kind of culture of winning in Toronto. And DeMar has always been like that. Even when he, in the early years, he was always a positive force, and, and uh, other players would say, gee, that guy took me under his wing, and uh, he's really friendly, and he's my, like, even going all the way back to God help me, Sonny Weems um, said that DeMar was, was the best guy he'd ever played with, and really helped him in some from the second rounder to, uh, for a brief time anyway, a very useful NBA player before making lots of money overseas. So th this is not a fluke. And, and the fact that, uh, that, that he and, and Kyle have meshed so well is also, as you guys say, is a, is a wonderful and, and an essential thing. Chemistry really, really matters, without a doubt. Right, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And kind of to go off what you said earlier, um, with these injuries having, happening and with the East being maybe the weakest it's ever been and probably weaker than it will be next season, depending on maybe if LeBron leaves, you would think next season will be a little bit easier, although Boston will be improved. Uh, do you think that makes the Raptors any more aggressive in trade talks? Or do you think that these things really don't have an impact um, on the Raptors' plans and that they're going to focus more on themselves? Uh, Rajon, what do you think? I'm sorry, you said, uh, you cut off for a second, you said something about... Uh, do you think uh, this makes the Raptors more aggressive, the injuries in the East, or do you think that they just focus on their own building and aren't worried about other teams? I don't know. They're, the Raptors aren't worried about... Uh, maybe they're worried about the Celtics um, because they're a team that, can, that stays young. They got a lot of young players out there. So, you know, they, they're one of those teams that get better with age, whereas Raptors, it's like... Besides Van Vliet and uh, Powell and Anobi, you know, DeMar and Lowry are your stars. And the older they get, you know, Lowry's pretty old. He's he's not playing at his best. Is you know, he's progressively kind of slowing down. Uh, I think Celtics are the only team where they're speeding up. So, you know, they're the only team really that the Raptors have to look out for. Obviously, whatever team LeBron is on, you have to look out for because they're instantly contenders. Uh, but if LeBron stays on the Cavs or all that, then I don't think they really have to worry much because there, there's no team right now that can build anything that's, you know, going to compare to the Raptors right now. You, you got to build through the draft. Uh, teams right now are just focusing on rebuilding so they can get as lucky as the Warriors. And nobody's really making that push to, like, you know, get John Wall and Bradley Beal with a Kevin Durant or anything like that. So I think the Raptors got a good thing going here. I think if they just keep their core together, um, that next year they can even go farther. And uh, hopefully the East can uh, switch up a little bit to give them that advantage to uh, push into, you know, finals. Brian, what do you think? Do you think these injuries make the Raptors any more aggressive? Well, this might be the, the right moment for me to bring up my, my trade speculation uh, sure. because this would, this would be an aggressive move. Uh, I, I tried this on the trade machine, and financially it works. Trade C.J. Miles for Avery Bradley. <clears throat> now, apparently Avery Bradley, I know he just got moved, uh, but it is possible to trade him if he's the only player in the trade, according to the, uh, the regs. 
uh, you know, the CBA being the beast that it is. But anyway, yes, he can be moved. And I've seen things on hoop site which indicate that the Clips are not all that interested in, in retaining Avery Bradley. Um, and I, I've always liked the guy. I think he can help defensively. Uh, I think he's a team guy. And uh, if I were Masai, it might be a deal that I would look very seriously at, uh, at making. I mean, I like C.J. Miles, but I certainly don't love him, and I don't think he's been an essential part of the success of the second unit. He's shooting the ball at a 37.2% clip from three, which is really all that matters in his case. Uh, so, But I would rather have Bradley's defense, and he can certainly shoot as well, if not better, than, than C.J. Miles. So there's my trade for the day, and that, that to me, would be an, another move towards uh, winning the East in a year when the East is open. Yeah, I don't think there's any problems with that. You might have to throw in a pick as a sweetener for Los Angeles, but I think that's something that Avery Bradley's, that's worth it to gain a player like Bradley um, for what he does give you, kind of both in versatility, being able to play uh, kind of guard players one through three, as well as uh, what he provides in shooting and a little bit of playmaking. Um, Yeah. I agree with you on that. Another thing, speaking of transactions, I wanted to discuss was Greg Monroe recently was bought out by the Phoenix Suns and signed with the Boston Celtics. Um, This is a guy who was a real six-man-of-the-year candidate last year. Um, He's a skilled post player on a team that needs kind of a skilled post, a good passer out of the high post, and I think really a perfect fit for Brad Stevens. Kind of as those other two teams get weaker with injuries, the Celtics are improving. Uh, Brian, do you have any thoughts on Greg Monroe joining the uh, Celtics and making them a little bit? Well, I mean, from the, from the Raptors' point of view, it's, it's not a good thing. You know, Monroe has, has proven that he can be a useful player in the NBA. I, I think he's uh, 10 years too late for his style of play. He's a big, bruising individual, yes, he can score down low, and yes, he's got some decent touch, but I've never seen any problem that would indicate he can shoot particularly well from anywhere past uh, 10 feet. Uh, I, I don't think he's the defensive presence that you would expect from someone as, as large as him, because I think he's a little slow-footed. But all that said, he helps Boston, there's no doubt, and from, from the point of selfish point of view of Greg Monroe, I think it was a brilliant thing for him to get away from, from Phoenix, where he clearly wasn't wanted or needed and uh, join a title contender. So I think he'll be motivated, and, and it just gives him one more weapon. And Brad Stevens, you, know, you mentioned his name, he's a tremendous coach and, and knows how to use his, his resources as well as anybody in the league. So it's just you know one more one more hill for the Raptors to, to cope with when they play Boston. Uh, Rajan, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, just a little to touch on what Brian's saying. I uh, completely agree. It's just another weapon off uh, Celtics bench. I think... Uh, now they have a lot of depth off the bench with a guy like Terry Rozier and now you put Rowe out there on the floor with him and, uh, you know, to give him that veteran presence and to kind of uh, mentor him. And I think that helps them a lot. Um, obviously, he's not one of those guys that'll go out and drop 20, 25 points, but, you know, he's still a threat on the court and uh, he's very uh, big on both sides of the uh, of the court. So hopefully the Raptors can you know, figure out ways to counter all of the death on Celtics bench. Uh, I mean, like I said, the Celtics are just getting better and better each year. So uh, I think that's something that we do have to worry about. Yeah, um, I do agree that that helps them. Um, Guys, I'm going to give you 
a couple of different buyout candidates for the Raptors, and you tell me which one you would like to see join the Raptors most. Um, Brooke Lopez, who just recently was uh, limited to eight minutes and was very upset, visibly upset on the Lakers bench. Um, on a recent podcast, Rob Mahoney talked about how he believes that he will be released as soon as the trade deadline passes if they're not able to unload that contract. Um, and seeing as he's making $20 million, I thought they are. Um, Brooke Lopez, you have, you have Marco Bellinelli for the Atlanta Hawks, someone who could provide valuable shooting to the Raptors. And then there's also uh, former Raptor Vince Carter, who is uh, playing with the Sacramento Kings on just an abysmal roster, um, as they might want to move on. Guys, uh, if you were given between those three, which one would you choose? Uh, go ahead, Rajon. Well, number one thing I want to say is probably Vince Carter, just because I'd love to see Vince in a Raptors jersey again. But uh, I believe before retirement anyways, he'll probably talk with the Raptors to uh, get like a one-year deal or something there just so he can retire in a Raptors jersey. So I'm not worried about all that. The buyout, I'm pretty sure they won't. I'm pretty sure they like Vince Carter's veteran presence, him and De'Aaron Fox and Everybody seemed to have good connections with each other. So I think he's just a guy off the bench that they can talk to and, uh, you know, kind of mentor them. But uh, I think it would be interesting for uh, Brooke Lopez to be added. I think that's another weapon. And, you know, uh, if they could get him before trade deadline ends, I mean, that makes a couple people more expendable. I mean, I don't know if they want to give up a guy and uh, take Brooke Lopez but uh, that's definitely some more depth off the bench, and that's a guy who averaged 20 points last last year off the net for the Nets. So that's that's a pretty solid pickup. So hopefully the Raptors think about that. I'm not sure how he'd fit with the team, but he can stretch the floor at times with an occasional three. So that's definitely something to think about. Uh, Brian, if you had your choice, who would you pick out of those three? Sorry, I missed the middle one. You kind of went silent there for a moment. Uh, Marco Bellinelli was the middle one. Sorry. Yeah, Marco Bellinelli. Um, well, I mean, I, first of all, I agree with Rayshon that Brooke Lopez would be quite a pickup. I, I'm not sure how to make that happen. Uh, you know, whenever we talk about acquiring players, I always switch into um, my CBA mindset to say, how, how do we how do we make such a transaction occur? Well, it would, it, it would have to be a buyout. He's in the last year of his deal. Uh, visibly upset for the Lakers, and there's been reports that he'll be bought out as soon as the trade deadline ends if they're not able to move him. Yes, I understand that, but but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Raptors have any uh, mechanism to, to sign him, even if he is bought out. I don't know how – we're over the cap, so I, uh, well, I'd have he, to look right. Yeah, he would have to sign the veteran minimum. Um, I, I don't know what other winning situations where he could get, receive more than the minimum. Uh, one opportunity was Boston, but since they've already filled that with Greg Monroe, I don't believe they have any more room in that exception. Um, perhaps if the Bucks are granted an exception with Mirza Toledovic, they'll have an opportunity, but most likely I would say it would be a one-year deal, veterans minimum, to go to the Raptors. Um, I kind of think right now that uh, Brooke Lopez is as he's not happy. I think right now he kind of wants to be on a contender. I mean, he's getting old. I think right now he kind of wants to compete and uh, play at a high level. So I think he would consider signing a veteran minimum to join one of those contenders, whether it be the Cavs, uh, not the Celtics, uh, Raptors, 
anything like that. So uh, I don't think he goes to another young rebuilding team or something like that. I think he does look for that contention. As far as Brooke Lopez is concerned, yes, if there's a way to get him, I think it would be a very interesting and potentially valuable pickup. Uh, it would require some, some juggling. Uh, I, I don't think we've given Marco Bellinelli enough of a, of a thought here. I, I think that he could, in fact, be a very valuable contributor. He's not a bad defender, and he can certainly shoot the ball, which is going to matter a great deal in the playoffs. Uh, as for the return of Vince, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of sentiment attached to that. Uh, I, I don't know whether he, his presence would really be all that valuable. I don't, I don't know how many minutes he could, he could suck up in the playoffs, and we were talking earlier about shortening the rotation. Certainly, it's hard to imagine Vince being added to the rotation in a playoff situation. So, I think it would be more interesting if we were to uh, bring him back for sort of a one-game retirement next season or something rather than add him to our list this year. Well, guys, as we go ahead and move towards a trade deadline, this is, I believe, the last time we'll talk before the deadline. Do you... But like Brian was saying earlier about... Um, uh, you know, uh, C.J. Miles, I think maybe he could be used possibly for someone like Avery Bradley, but I don't think the Raptors would bother doing that right now. Uh, I don't know if the uh, the Pistons even want to move Avery Bradley right now. So Clippers now. Oh, Clippers. Sorry, sorry, Clippers. Um, so hopefully uh, they just keep it together and, uh, you know, keep it moving forward. Right. Um, I agree. One thing I will know is – I saw that right now the Raptors are right up against the luxury tax. Um, so that means, I mean, they even are to the point where if they make the finals, which I'm sure they'd be happy to do, Kyle Lowry receives a bonus, which would actually push them into the tax, um, which I'm sure, again, they'd be willing to do if, granted, they make the finals. But one thing I think they could do is, in order to kind of look at bio candidates like we talked about, uh, it wouldn't shock me if they tried to trade Bruno Cabalco, who's got making a little over two mil, to someone else into a trade exception that maybe is a little bit more, has a little more cap space available to, in order to free up some space in order to sign someone at the veterans minimum if either someone like Brooke Lopez becomes available or if an injury and you need to make a signing, I think it would be helpful to them to be able to make that signing without entering into the tax. But as far as major deals, I don't think anyone out of the rotation is traded. Um, maybe C.J. Miles, as Brian's pointed out, but I don't expect anyone being traded out of the rotation. Uh, Brian, has anything changed with you? No. no I mean, we're ahead of where I thought we would be in terms of, of wins for the season. The, the team is matured very well. The players who were under pressure for underperforming have stepped up, specifically Norman and Jonas. So uh, I see no urgency to do anything. I mean, yes, the East is open, but on the other hand, if the team is winning, like Ray Zion said, let's, let's, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's, let's see, see what these guys can do. All right. I agree with you guys. Um, so I will be expecting to talk to you next week, Brian, when the Raptors make a huge deal. And all of us are proven wrong. Um, other than that, guys, it's been great talking to you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Rajon. Thank you. No problem. Bye, guys. See you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.